idiot F. You know, Jonesy doesn't know computers, so I'm sorry, quotey fingers, that this audio isn't up to your usual standards, but I can't work a clickety-clack machine, I guess, and might have lost the show, if not for Slim's saving grace and putting it all back together. So thank you for your patience, and, uh, you know, the traditional paper cake audio will return, uh, just like James Bond in episode 261. Thank you. My spidey sense is tingling. Real big show. Yeah. He's the host that has developed his own text AI that will text you back such things as gosh, yeesh, and yeah, okay. He's slim. This is the Paper Keg Podcast, episode 260. Welcome to this show. Three people that know each other get together on the internet, and they talk about a book that they all read that week. They discuss it together as one, as human beings. You know, this week, hip-hop family tree volume one and then we read your letters live to close out the show letters at paperkeg.com you know just off air the three of us having the time of our lives talking about last week's hit episode with Chuck Forsman and just right after that you know I was getting emotionally pounded by Dale underscore I didn't say anything for 10 seconds and it was it was assumed that I was on my phone texting you know that's what he jumped to instantly VP of merch podcast bad boy (laughs) you remembered uh, Dale underscore A, welcome back to the show, please. Jeez, when you now when somebody hears this live to tape when they listen to the podcast, it's going to like trigger. The, that's a trigger word. People are going to remember how awful I was as a person. Mm-hmm. It's all going to come back to them like uh, some movie. Yeah, like flat. Like it'll be flashbacks, but every time they go back to you, it's like a red background right behind you. Like that. <laughs> Like you get more evil as the, the scene goes on. And yeah. closer to the screen. <laughs> like the uh, the scene from, what was it, Amazing Stories or Tales from the Dark Side, the Leslie Nielsen bit where he was uh, like buried. <laughs> oh, Ted Danson? Yeah, he buried Ted Danson in the sand, but like the, his, his, uh, the background to his head was all red when he was like yeah. being evil. I think that might have been Creepshow, actually. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's right. We might have to do a movie marathon this week. PK Vacation, PK 5K is just days away. If you're listening to this, it just, it either is about to happen or just happened. Right, unfortunately, you have to wait another week to hear 
the results about it. Well, I mean, yeah. you know, you never know. Maybe while we're at uh, the beach house, maybe we record a special Patreon only episode of something. Ooh. You know, maybe the night before your race, the race, we get the vibe of all three participants. Mm-hmm. The vibes. Oh yeah. If vibes feel anything like, like sewer muscles, then yeah. Uh, final living, breathing host. We had a fourth host. He's now dead. Final host. I feel like at this point, Jonesy's trolling us by just putting a white light onto himself. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe from the ceiling. I don't know what's happening. Welcome back to the show. Writer, Jonesy loves beer. Uh, you know, I have a lot of wood paneling in this room. And I feel like there's probably little to no like ambient absorption mm. so whatever surface that is not wood paneling which is just my two stringy arms mm-hmm. and my fat gooseneck you know, gizzard absorb all the all the light now yeah. uh speaking of gizzard mm-hmm. pk5k gizzard. probably mm-hmm. one of my favorite word gizzard next right next to lozenge lozenge <laughs> <laughs> uh we are raising money as well for our pk5k Crohn's Colitis Foundation. We raised twelve hundred dollars oh as of this God. recording. Another two hundred after um, Scotty Young put us over yeah. the edge. Twelve hundo. That's insane, insane. Guys, that is amazing. Two hundred dollar goal blown out of the water by our tremendous what was friends. Two hundred dollar goal. Two hundred dollar goal. Wow. Yeah. Smash. Yeah. Because I mean, I, I when I set the goal, I'm like, well, like you know. People might support us. They might throw $10 our way, $20 for people who love us. But, like, you know, and that's fine. That was more than enough. Mm-hmm. This is crazy. The The lady from the Crohn's Foundation, she emailed me, like, two days after we met the goal. She's what? like, she's like, you know, I see you met the goal already. You want to up the goal? <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. Like, I don't want to get into she it. she replied since we hit $1,200 yet? She hasn't replied. Maybe, maybe because I haven't emailed her back. But. She just sent her undergarments to Dale in the mail. That's all that happened. Jesse, that's she inappropriate. The both hey, of you that's inappropriate. You know what? I don't want you to even cut that out. I want you to leave it there <laughs> for the world. And I'm the podcast bad boy. <laughs> There's a new podcast bad boy in town. So yeah, yeah, tremendous. I wonder. I wonder what other people are raising. Not that I'm saying that we're like in the lead, but I'd be curious to see what other people have raised. Because I, I looked on like the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation social media channels, there's nothing going on there in terms of this 5K. Guts to glory. I can give you the the latest team captain report that I got. Sure. Team S happens <laughs> as of uh, July 29th has raised $9,790. Holy smokes. But, but. To be fair, there's also 21 teammates on that team. Oh, can we get the mathematician on here? Let's see. Tw- how many? That, 21. That uh, what did they raise? 9,700 divided by 21. That's $430 per person. What are we at? I can confirm. We're beating that, that average. Range. We're beating that average. What's How many donors do we have? We have three. Ah, crap. We're not beating it. We're close. Come on, we're I at think four hundred dollar average. Oh. They're at four fifty. What did I say? Four thirty. We can get there. Yeah, we can get there. Not if you're listening to this and decide to. <laughs> if 
you, if, depending on when you're listening, you might have a day to donate. <laughs> or too bad. Or it's game over. So I just looked I just looked at the Guts and Glory 5K on Facebook. There four people are interested in attending. So I'm I'm guessing their their Facebook presence isn't what it can be. Mm. I think you should wrestle that social media presence away from them. I'm out of the I'm out of the social media presence game. Mm-hmm. For, oh, for managing. I'm Lost not quitting today. <laughs> VP of social media sending oh, yeah. condolences, Dale underscore A. And not even an access access to a computer this week. I and, mean, uh, you went dark maybe like the last three weeks. You've gone social media dark, Twitter dark. But I don't think you've gone Facebook dark. Well, not. I I have a compulsion to tw- on Twitter to catch up on everything that I missed. But mm-hmm. like I said last week, luckily the stuff you have missed uh, chunk on Twitter. That has that's been a real blessing because it brings all the people that I interact with most frequently to the forefront, and and gives me their tweets for the past uh, since I logged in last. That's really nice. Uh, yeah. I'm trying to stay on top of it, but I just haven't been at a computer enough to stay on top of it, and I just can't on my phone. Just you know? a reminder: bottom of the hour, yeah. maybe a couple minutes from now, Hip Hop Family Tree Volume One. Depend on when Slim gets bored with me. Talking about this exactly, yeah. Got, so I, you know, I'll, I'll get crawl. back to it. I'll get back to it. What's what's I, the social media presence going to be like at our big vacation that is happening hmm. in forty eight hours? What is this? PK PK VK five four. I don't know. Let's get the intern on what number of vacation this is that we're taking together. This might be this might be four PK VK five K PK VK rolls right off the tongue. A lot of keys. I'm. Uh, I got to tell you guys. I. You going it's dark? Gonna be, well, I, yeah. I think I might be dark. Like yeah. I might text you. Yeah, we can. Te- we can have secret conversations. Yeah. But Jonesy, you're, you can have him too. Uh, thank you. Or, but if if I feel like I need, I can tweet something. I'll maybe I'll send it out there. But I won't. I won't catch up with what I missed. You know. Yeah. I might check my replies. Maybe when you're pupin. Uh, speaking of poop, did you ever figure out what the critter was in your wall last week on uh, our last episode? No, he's gone silent. So either he's <laughs> he's probably bedding down and birthing at this point, like he's being quiet in that sense, or his building is already done, and I just haven't been on the other side of that wall to check what's over there. It's probably, got it's a probably whole like town. the doozers from Fraggle Rock behind your walls. There's like a construction system and a railway. Yeah, Hard hand-powered hats. rail cars where they go up, they push up and down. Right. Places. Yeah. Probably. You know, whatever. No, I agree with you. <laughs> that was funny. That was really good. Yes, thank you. That was the reaction I was hoping for. That didn't it sound polite. Nice. Thank you. Uh, hip-hop family tree, Ed Pisker. First person ever, Dale, Andrews, everyone. Uh, right before we get into uh, this book club, hip-hop family tree for Fenographics. You know, people people come up to me and ask me, you know, do I read do I read books on the street? They come up to me and ask. They say, Matt, slim. you look like a a book reader, a book reader. That's why I get that a lot with my thick glasses. I'm gonna tell you something that just changed my life. Six pack abs. Two weeks ago, I bought a Kindle Paperwhite for 
those of us, and certainly not me, that might not know what sure. that is. Let's just pretend, Jimmy, you... or dear listener, has no idea what a Kindle Paperwhite is. It's one of those Kindles. Uh, I'm going to hold it up here to show you, Jonesy, as if we're in the same room. Oh, okay. Yeah, all right. So I know it's what as thin I think as my a mom pencil. has a Kindle. Right. I, I've been reinvigorated. So is it paperweight because it's so light? Is uh, that it's, it's called it's a paperweight? Paper, paper white. But you can, it's you can it's a lit screen, so you can like read in oh. bed. So like you could read it in the sun. Yeah, you could do that with like yeah. like an actual page. Oh, pa- paper pa- white, paper, not paper white. Paper white. Got it. Got it. Copy that. Let's uh, let's just loop back. You know, right let's let's just move forward. Let's just skip the Kindle paper white discussion. <laughs> Kindle Jonesy white. <laughs> you know, this is why I don't take an interest in your things. <laughs> I'm so just trying to say, yeah, go ahead. You've been reinvigorated. Uh, paper white. You're probably king of the quiet car now. Oh. You're probably reading whilst walking up the stairs of uh, Penn Station, mm. reading books. Is that what I'm to that's, gather? That's what I'm doing. You know, I think I took two two airplane rides recently, so I was reading on the plane. I've been reading Harry Potter, first book. Mm. I've never I, read. Is it good? It's very good. You know, I don't know why any nobody told me to read it earlier. You know, no one's telling anybody oh. to read Harry Potter. Uh, you you got to find you out you for yourself. That so Nimity throws her phone against the wall when she, she doesn't hears listen. Let's be honest here. Yeah, I mean, you just prep this uh, paper keg Twitter account for an, a flood of whatever, <laughs> and I hope you didn't forget to turn your notifications off this weekend. Yeah, let's hope Mary Train never uh, re- listens to this episode. Uh, so I highly recommend if anyone has been trying to read, trying to try something new. Maybe people love comics; they want to try something new. Get a Kindle. Disclaimer, or for Comixology, which is an Amazon subsidiary. So do you just like have it in your pocket? Are you just like reading a page here and there whenever you can? Or you have devoted train time? Uh, I tr- well, I t- like today I would have read on the train, but I had to read uh, the book club, which sure. shockingly took the whole train ride. We'll get into that later. I did not uh, expect that. Can I ask one question? Can it fit in your back pocket? Is it small enough to fit it in your cannot. back pocket? I keep it in my backpack. It's okay. just a little too big for my back pocket. All right. Uh, so yeah, I, past few nights I haven't had a ton of time to read, but I'm reading like a chapter at a time. I like how it tells you how much time's left in your chapter, so you can kind of mm-hmm. gauge how much investment you want to put into this reading time frame. Um, Kindle Unlimited I signed up for. Oh wow, you're all all in. Harry Potter is in, or at least the first volume is in Kindle Unlimited. So I've got my meditation Buddhism books in there. Reading two books at the same time. It's wild. If that's not Buddhism, I don't know what it is. That's, that's so page I'm a, one. I'm going to make you a health challenge for this weekend as well. Uh-uh. I challenge you to do one Chi Young set with me to help oh, with your boy. meditation. Chenzi, I'll do whatever with you, just so long as you don't try to practice your wrist no, snapping no, move on no, me again. I make you a commit. No martial arts unless you ask. But Chi Young is not martial arts. Okay. Just no wrist right. snapping. Right, until you start uh, training Jonesy with Tom, him. starts tomfoolerying. Yeah. And he's like, ah, and give it, me a wrist again. Ah, that's what we do in the class. Ah. And then in one, one time, instant, his, his face changes <laughs> from like joking to seriousness as he's concentrating. That's because I can't do two things at once. So once I have to perform the technique, it's all gone. You know, Jonesy, this Vipassana meditation, you have to go and it's 10 straight days. Is that Vipassana, is that where you don't speak for 10 days? That's correct. Ooh, that's a lot of commitment. Maybe 
Q317. Mm-hmm. We go uh, 10 days without speaking to each other. And find uh, right up Slim's alley, yeah. and find the end of suffering. <laughs> and find the end of suffering. All right, here we go. Hip Hop Family Tree Volume One. Let's get into it. Fanographics, Jonesy, please. So, what you didn't know about hip hop is everything. Uh, volume One, one hundred pages of the illustrated history of how hip hop started as a underground DJ experience with an MC all the way up to rap battles, rap records, Grandmaster Flash, and the hip-hop explosion of the late 1980s. Uh, Grid pattern pages of basically the encyclopedic history of every major figure in hip-hop all the way up until the 2020 interview that I believe they might have said at 88 when hip hop finally became mainstream or into every household uh, with panels describing not only the figures in hip hop, but also maybe uh, some quirks or things they were known for or uh, fights they were in or important people that passed away or different occasions that propelled hip-hop forward uh hip-hop family tree the most colorful animated genealogy of an event in comic book form Mm. you're here first first. i'd like to uh thank jonesy unpublished for a reason i just want to scale back the dates (laughs) I think this book starts around 81 or 82. Listen, you don't need a fact. This is why people hire fact check. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's right. That's true. It's there. It's on them. So not on me. You know? <laughs> Jonesy's yeah. quote, it's not on me. <laughs> I think Jonesy was able to sum it up pretty perfectly considering, like, if you didn't know the actual story of hip-hop from 1975 to 1981, Jonesy couldn't really like elaborate on it much more, and you're not going to memorize the history of hip-hop with one reading of this, just one. A lot of data. It's a, but, exactly, it's a ton of like real encyclopedic knowledge of the music industry between 75 and 81, but it's done in a way that's just the most fascinating for your eyes and brain. Yeah. Uh, my first thought was probably the easiest way to present all these data points was a comic strip. I mean, if you were to give me a, um, like a, a wiki where I would have to know all these things, I would not read it. Yeah. But it presented this way, it generated a real interest in learning about it. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, you know, some comic books like take you on a journey, and that's not quite what this did. This instead was like a teacher reaching out to a student and making the material something that they could follow and, and get engaged with. Like, this it's, to me felt like a perfect teaching tool mm-hmm. versus a comic book story. Well said. It was, right. Right. Uh, yeah. Don't fact check me though. You, 
it's not on me. <laughs> you could definitely see this you being get that on a t-shirt handed out. And I think even one of the genres is listed as historical. You know, mm-hmm. this is a historical work. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't really read like, you know, a a monthly comic book. So I didn't I peripherally knew about hip hop helmetry at one awards and stuff, very very popular. So I didn't know what to expect. I just I knew the art style was fantastic. Mm. And man, you're right, there's a ton of data in here in trade form. And I thought I was reading at a leisurely pace. Um but I was saying earlier my seventy five, eighty minute train ride, like I couldn't I didn't I finished it as I was walking to the parking lot at oh, the train wow. station. So usually, you know, 160, I feel like 140 page, you know, X-Men book, I could finish in, you know, half of a train ride. But this <laughs> was gosh. so dense for me, yeah. I just couldn't, it took me a while to get through it. There was so much happening that it almost made me feel like I was reading too fast. Um, mm-hmm. But it, I, it was just an experience that I don't think I've had before in a comic. Yeah, it's it's... You're right. It's and spoilers uh, to pull back the curtain a little bit. We were like, let's pick a you know we're getting ready to go on vacation. Let's pick a shorter yeah. book club this week. We let's love pick a light book. Yeah, it's 113. This is 113 pages. It's like 98 pages of book, and then there's back matter. But I mean, this thing was dense, and I'm not, and I'm I don't mean to disparage it because this is a book that will keep your attention and keep you wanting to read every panel. The closest thing I was reminded of to uh, was kind of like the NOM, I'm in, mm. in a way that it was sort of educational. The NOM had a little bit more of a, a storyline and plot running through it, whereas this was just like every panel was almost like the top of the panel, here's the introduction to this scene of, you know, this, this of Curtis Blow in 1976, and then, like, there's some dialogue. And it's very thick with that, but it does it in such a way that it's fun and it keeps your attention. And even if you had just a, a minor passing interest in hip-hop in any way or, or fun or music, it's, I mean, it's this musical history. And there's enough even then that I think you'd be surprised by on how hip-hop was formed and how you know, rap battles and all these groups were formed. Uh, there's, I mean, there's probably enough name checking in here that certainly our generation would know, but some of these names ha- will stand the test of time forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, you know, and that's not even like run DMC is not mentioned, but the, the <laughs> members individually are, they just haven't formed up yet. But uh, Grandmaster Flash, obviously, Melly Mel, Cool Mo D. These are names that transcend generations, I hope. Yeah, Dale, to your point, like I thought it was great when they introduced the members of Run DMC. And like in your head, you're like, oh, I know who these people are, but we haven't gotten to that volume yet. Yeah. So like there's not a lot of premonition because it's just presenting it how it happened. And I thought it only broke that one time when um, the panel where Dr. Dre gets yelled at for listening to records all the way in LA. Yeah. And so you're like, you're, you get a, you know, a glimpse of what, you know, hip hop is going to grow into. 
right. the second generation gets involved. And I thought that was the only time it really, the book did that. Um, but it stayed so grounded in the almost day by day, hour by hour progression of hip hop. And, you know, it, there is a sense of peril to the book where you feel like if anything goes wrong or if more than like two or three people that die throughout this book, like this art form could disappear because of the way of life it's be, like being presented in. Mm-hmm. And there is, I think, that that sense of doom. Uh, and then the volume, the first volume kind of ends where they kind of preserve it and it's going to be part of the mainstream. So there is like, there is a, an element to overarching story here, even through the data. But now I lost my original point because I found a, a new point as I went through it. It's kind of like this book altogether. Yeah, the the Ed Piscor certainly, I think, the way the book read, I mean, you can certainly tell that Ed had more, much more than just a passing interest for him to do the book begin with. But there's also, there's so many feelings of firsthand accounts. Like, he didn't just read this stuff from a, a historical, you know, somebody who's documented this. This sounds like this. a lot of this stuff came from the mouths of people who lived it. And luckily, we're still in that area where a lot of these people are still alive. But just the fact that everything, I had no idea that everything was so tight knit and like came from the Harlem or the Bronx. Like that was it. Every, it was all born out of that. And it was amazing. Yeah. The, the bits where, um, where the groups like the, the kind of rival musical groups like confronted each other, I thought was, you know, a rare idea where, these people communicated through music and it's, you know, it's obvious to this kind of middle-aged white man that didn't grow up in this time frame. but like, you know, a time frame where the majority of their communication was done through those kind of battles where they, you know, they tried to battle each other with the music and mm-hmm. overall, I guess like my overall thought of the book was this book is like a historical reference almost. There's no kind of plot. It just guides you through the time frame in the timeline with a few recurring characters. Well, most like a lot of them are recurring, Mm -hmm. but you know, living through that, I think it, it wows us today that people live through that, but down the line, it'll be even more impactful. Cause when is the next time that people are going to live through, you know, this kind of musical evolution where we're going to, when's the next time we're going to hear a new form of music and, you know, write a comic book about it and have all these different, characters that are involved in it like it might never happen again for all we know yeah especially in such a way where it's so you're right it's like it's so physical it was so real and it's not just people on computers sending their music out on napster or or getting it on spotify for people to listen to like these were people tapping uh the power of a street light like screwing in the electrical cable so they could blast the electricity into their into their equipment and just blast their music on a city block or in an empty schoolyard 
and that's the way they like communicated and that's the way the battles took place like every you know people had had the loudest equipment and that was how you want that was how you won the battle and that's how you got respect and stuff and it's it was so like i don't know it was like innocent in a way hmm. or the way at least it was presented there was very minimal violence and there was just a lot of respect even if you didn't uh you know even if uh the cold brothers didn't win a rap battle. It was like very respectful in this back and forth that everybody had because it was such a tight knit community. I think I almost would have preferred reading this in a monthly format just because I, you know, I almost get deluged with characters and moments in a trade form or maybe, you know, I paced my reading. Like I don't think the volume one is ideal for an hour reading. I, mean, right. I feel like you need to let it marinate more. Yeah, especially I, I was talking to the, I told the guys this on text earlier today, but almost after every page, I wanted to hit Wikipedia and just explore each individual story more because it was so thick and he could only touch upon it in a panel and a book before moving on to the next panel. And like he did the best he could where you know, all the members of a group like the, the Furious Five or um, individual people, he would like illustrate them with their names on their sweater. So you kind of keep, could keep track of who was who in this book because there were so many players that it was the only thing you could do to k- kind of keep track. Like, who was it? Was he Curtis Blow or Eddie Chiba? Like, who were, you know? And there was so much of that that you're right. It was a lot of information presented in a way that you couldn't really, you can't really keep track. But the whole, I mean, the whole presentation of the book, like he drops the facts, but then at the end of the book, he drops like a bibliography, like the references and the, the people named in a glossary and, and names of songs. Mm. It, it was, it was so tightly done in this visual comic book format. Yeah. I think volume, Volume one was, you know, spanned, is it a decade plus? Um, 70s to 81. Volume two is actually only 81 to 83. Oh, wow. So I wonder the kind of density in mm-hmm. volume two compared to one. And I'm not, I don't mean to say that he, like, learned from his mistakes, but maybe, you know, there's only so much information from the 70s that you can, you know, spread spread around. So you have mm-hmm. to like move forward. So I'm curious what volu- what the read of volume two is. Yeah, just imagine how, like that. That just makes me think like there's the same presentation and density of information, but only two years worth. Mm-hmm. I got the, I was under the impression that there there might be a box set out of the I think first. There is. I think I just saw it oh, on uh, oh, gosh, on Daddy. Amazon. Daddy needs. <laughs> Actually, I looked. I'm looking at it on Amazon, and it says. Uh, Introducing Comixology Unlimited. So that's a pretty nice little marketing. Uh, oh, Amazon. There you go. Um. Oh, how about um? How about Blondie? And oh, um, what's his what's his face? What was the the artist's name? Do you remember? It was uh, Andy Warhol? No, the the character from the book. It's like was it, it wasn't Fab something? Fab Freddy or Freddy? Mm-hmm. Freddy Five. Fab Five Freddy. Fab Five Freddy. Was that it? Mm-hmm. Um, 
I love the little interlude between those two characters and how their their friendship blossomed over time and you know they he spotlighted him early in the book as having no interest in music and almost you know more being towards an artist and then you you get you see yeah. where their character is over time and eventually the impact on music is blondie eventually made uh is it rapture rupture mm-hmm. rapture um but the one scene where the she meets up with him years like right before is it right before she plays the song for him um he's like doing card he's doing like card scams on the street did you yeah. notice that yeah yeah it was <laughs> He's like, like doing standing it. at a folding table. Yeah. I, I'm just like wondering myself, how did Blondie even find him? What year? It's like 1980, ni- you know, 1979. Blondie just like stumbles upon him doing, uh, you know, his, his, his tricks on the street. But how wild is that? Because like maybe Blondie, d- it didn't, she didn't, hasn't been as noticed because MTV didn't air the video yet. Yeah. But like, she's just down in the hood too. Like, she's genuinely living the life like she's down trying to meet these people because they excite her so much that she just wants to be there too yeah it was so cool yeah and and, you know years previous he i think he was at an art show he's like i want you guys to make a song about me so i can get famous and they all laugh and then years later you know he is involved in it and he thought it was a gag at first but i thought that was really nice uh-huh. I mean, it's like real life, but I'm like thinking of it. It's like, I thought that was a real nice ending to that story, but it's like, it's real yeah, life. It was totally real life. And the stuff like I, the early stuff with Rick Rubin, I mean, I've heard of Rick Rubin, oh, yeah. the, the music producer, but I did not know he was like this spoiled rich kid who like had his own band. Neither and did I, but I, I did, mean, I, I did know that he was a huge wrestling fan because they, people, they spotlight him at wrestling at WWE shows. He always gets like first row. Oh and, really? Is he always there? Yeah, yeah. I like oh, you know cool. the big the big events. Yeah. And um, uh, what was I gonna say about Rick Rubin? Yeah, I didn't know he was a rich kid. And I'm the one. The one thing it reminded reminded me of was the Run DMC uh, Aerosmith uh, oral history. <laughs> Did you guys read that article? It came out a couple months ago. No, there was an oral history done. Yeah, yeah. Everyone involved kind of talked about the recording of that song. Oh, or the geez. you know the re-recording that that uh, Run DMC did with him, and that was wild because I think Rick Rubin produced that. I think he was the spearhead of putting that song together. And Aerosmith was just like all coked up the whole time. They didn't know what the f was Shocker. going on. They didn't know who, like essentially didn't have no idea who Run DMC was. And I was trying to like place myself in that era. Like let's just say you're Aerosmith. That's got to be like the weirdest gig ever. Like what are you even doing? there like what do you what do you hope to have happen with this crew and i think <laughs> right, like what's it going to do for you right like this if could be the that. worst decision of your life like right in their head that had to be floating around it turned out to be it i think it at, the article even said like aerosmith was like this is the tail end of our career at this point we were done yeah they re totally reinvig- uh, reinvigorated mm-hmm. their career which is just so wild. Aerosmith, I think we talked about this before. Aerosmith, I don't know, it's silly that we're talking about Aerosmith during <laughs> during this, but yeah. they don't get enough props. Aerosmith does not get enough, I think, props in the music industry. I, you know, you know my history with Aerosmith, so. Yeah. <laughs> they get made fun of a lot anymore, but mm-hmm. yeah, I think, I mean, they definitely earned their place. But yeah, they that did was it, man. that was a Rick Rubin's like all over the place. If Rick Rubin produced something, you know, you you knew you're getting some kind of magic. 
Mm-hmm. He didn't, he never did a Metallica album, did he? No, you're but you're thinking of somebody who produced the Black album, but it wasn't okay. Rick Rubin, I don't think. I was thinking of that one that was supposed to be their comeback album. That was it, something Satan or oh Saint Anger, Saint Anger. Oh, that album stunk. Yeah. It was. It had a lot to. You know what? Let's not talk about it. <laughs> you guys are wading into a pool. I am not even dipping my toe in. <laughs> Uh, so, replies. but so yeah, I, I love the um, I love the backstory. Uh, if you know, if there's one critique, it's probably on my end. It's not on the work itself. It's that you have to slowly wade in, and this isn't this isn't a executioner song volume two where you can just go through and you know you're along for the ride. You have to you have to maintain your composure and your attention. Yeah, yeah, I think. I mean, what's good and bad about us doing this for the show is it's so historical that I don't think we could read any further volumes because we can't get down to the granular level just because we don't remember. Personally, I'm probably speaking for all of us. We don't remember what we just read (laughs) in a a way that we can talk about the actual history of hip-hop. Mm-hmm. for 45 minutes on a show like yeah. we can talk about the quality of the book and what it presented to us but we can't unless we can recreate like what happened to grandmaster flash and how you know the sugar hill gang got formed in a linear fashion we can't probably can't talk about any further volumes just because we've spoken about the quality in this volume i mean we could have done this volume or all the volumes and, and it would have been the same amount of time spent on a book club yeah i agree how about the sugar hill gang forming i mean that story is mind-blowing that's wacky as all get out i mean the the one character the bigger dude i can't remember his name and then people are probably angry that i can't remember his name but the Scotty one guy young is probably flipping Scott, over. Scotty young just flipped over his drawing table <laughs> um he kind of like doesn't he like give a loan to some of the dudes to to get equipment and he's just kind of he was hoping that he would become a manager and make money, and then he eventually has to get a gig like flipping pizzas. <laughs> and then the one woman who is like hiring all the talent, he comes up with a plan to like you know do this rap to to woo her to like get a gig. And he, but they do it in the back seat of like her Cadillac. He just like <laughs> goes sits in the back seat of the car, and like she turns around the front seat, and he just starts doing it. And then some other dude is like, "Hey, I can, I can do that too." And she's like, "Okay, come on in." So there's two dudes in the backseat right. just like doing their thing to this woman, and then a third dude does the same thing. He's like, "I can do this," and then those are the people that form the, you know, the musical group that like, you know, literally set the stage for the public's perception of hip hop and <laughs> and like modern day rap, which is yeah. mind boggling. So after I think her name is Sylvia Robinson, after she hears them all three in the back of her Cadillac, she's like, "That's it." You guys are together now. You guys are brothers. You guys are a group. I'm signing <laughs> you all three. That's it. And and that's it. And then Hank is the big dude. Hank goes to his good friend who was also on the scene. I forget who, who he is wrote exactly. Wrote the lyrics, I think, for him. Right. He wrote all. The, he had a book of lyrics, and he and the guy just gave it to him because, like, back then, who knew where anybody was going and he's like here you can have these but just remember you know you got to get me some attention when the time comes i don't let you i don't even know what happened to that but that's yeah, so that's, it's like so then then like they hear this sugar hill gang on the radio and somebody else is like dude that's your that's your lyrics right there that guy's singing i mean that that microcosm of the story could have been a book 
in and of itself. It's like totally, that one what, moment. What are their been. lives like from that point yeah. on? Because in that situation, if you're that dude writing lyrics, man, f you. How does this happen to me? Like, I just got screwed. You're going to be on TV. You're going to be on records. And, I mean, maybe there has been a a TV movie about that, but that just that Mm -hmm. bit of the story was like, holy crap. Because, like, little did they know, I mean, music was changing then. Like, that was the beginning of a revolution. And, like, and the dude who just gave up his lyrics, unless you're, like, in the know... He's getting no respect. He doesn't know the. Sh- he's not. What's he have to do with the Sugar Hill Gang? The Sugar Hill Gang is rapping that music. I did see that. Was fantastic, man. The one dude I feel like I saw on every stage was the like dopey looking dude with the afro and he's balding. I feel like I saw that guy on every yeah. page and every group on stage. He was always there, and he always looked like he's sleeping on stage. <laughs> yeah. yeah the the um, the caricature raised caricaturization of everyone was just great like it just kept the book like fresh and easy on the eyes he did mm-hmm. a way of, of of drawing these people that was just i don't know it was it was a great it just fits now just that, this, that's the art style of hip-hop valley Dream. yeah i loved i love the the stylings that he did when you were in the club and the music was really loud he did that kind of layered coloring mm-hmm. shift to make it seem kind of out of whack that like you know, the music was affecting your perception. I thought that was amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was really good. Hip hop's family tree. It was just great. It was great, and the back, the back matter was great. Our boy, uh, uh, Amwat Ben Mara, <laughs> love that book. He did uh, a pinup of Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five. Really, in that book, yeah. And there was, I mean, there was a couple other names that we recognize. Hmm. Uh, in the back there it was it was just a great great book i didn't realize it was so old i didn't know this whole thing had been going on for so long this was from like three or four years ago yeah and i I thought it was just recent that he was doing it but he must just be doing a new volume as of late yeah i think there's three volumes and up on comiXology i think he's up to like issue 22 so good so there you have it hip-hop family tree we got your letters I'm gonna open them up Farrington's gonna read them To you Letters At paperkeg.com You shoot us a letter my right on arrow Our first letter Comes to us from dear friend of the show Joel Nieto uh, he writes, S gets real, sorry. Uh, in this letter, or disclaimer, in this letter, I maybe didn't just lift the old kimono, but maybe I lifted it so high above my head, got caught in the ceiling fan. So if you cut this letter for time, I understand, but please read the listener lightning round. It would mean a lot. And then uh, the second section of the letter uh, begins, uh, Hey, fellas, this past week has been one of those rough ones where things like joy and smiles are at a premium. Not to get into the nitty-gritty of it all, oh, but such take, events happen in our lives that completely disrupt the flow of our routine. And whether they are fortunate or painful, these events are always unexpected. Anyway, I've recently found myself in the center of one of those upheavals, one where a life flips the game board over and says, with an escaping grin, 
start over. Only problem is I'm feeling like maybe I don't know this game as well as I thought I did, but I got to keep playing because the stakes are important and people are counting on me to win. So last week when I reviewed nine volumes of Invincible, I think it's because I was searching for routine. Something that spoke of normalcy or fun again, and that's where you guys come in. You see, the other night I found myself wide awake, consciously trying not to give into the ever-present sense of worry kicking around in my head. So I jumped in my car and decided to go for a little midnight drive to help soothe a few of the fires keeping me up. I reached my phone to look through the latest podcast, and that's when I see it. Paper Keg, episode 258, with that beautiful little blue dot next to its name. I'm thinking that means that's a new episode. Uh, I drove and listened and left. And for 90 glorious minutes, I forgot about Joel Nieto with his lonely little one-bedroom apartment back in Texas and enjoyed being Nieto NMS, the silent fourth chair and a room full of friends talking about whatever it is they wanted to talk about. Anyway, I've said it since my first letter that what it is you three are doing matters. So maybe you're not saving the world, quoting fingers, with this podcast, but maybe you're making it a bit lighter for those of us who feel like we carried on our shoulders from time to time. Mm. Very nice sentiment. Wow, Thank you very super. much. Nice. Anyway, now that that's been said, uh, I now proudly present my listener lightning round for the Anchor Comics Showcase of what? The Original. She won with words and art by Sean Gregory Miller, also a dear friend of the show. When the iPad light goes dim from staring at the art of the book too long, yeah, no, you've got some special, something special on your hands. In 32 sublime pages, the writer breathes life into this Kirby-esque adventure story full of strange and endearing characters, all while masterfully using his new IP to elicit the most coveted of sensations from his audience, warm, intoxicating nostalgia. That's a good listener line. Mm. Uh, for those of you who don't know Sean, this cat's a PK alum out there chasing the dream. While you may know him as Under an Anchor on Twitter, I now know him as one of the hottest up-and-comers in the game. Uh, Papercake family, I encourage you to support one of your own and give this comic a read. You won't be disappointed. Comes to us from uh, the, the ever-loving at Nieto underscore NMS on the Twitterverse. That um, that made me smile ear to ear, Nieto, um, reviewing uh, at Under an Anchor's uh, comic like that. That was awesome. Both of those two are dreamy, honestly. And speaking of at Under an Anchor on Twitter, uh, publisher, CEO, president of Anchor Comics... At Under an Anchor, Sean Gregory Miller writes our next email. Anita Brecko. See where I'm going with this one, huh? Hey, guys. I've been in a mood lately for something a little more positive and upbeat than what I'm used to reading. Got any recommendations for something with an uplifting vibe and, more specifically, features the Man of Steel? (laughs) I've never been much of a Superman fan, but I found myself wanting to get into his stories more and more. If you got something else to recommend aside from a story featuring soups, I'm all ears. Any help would be most appreciated. Also, got a listener lightning round for you. The Twilight Children from Vertigo mm. by Gilbert Hernandez, Darwin Cook, and Dave Stewart. 
After the first read, I couldn't make heads or tails of what was going on in this story, but I'll be darned if it isn't some of Cook's finest work. A book worth owning, even if it is just for the pretty pictures. Until next time, keggers. That's uh, Sean, a creator of the original from Anchor Comics. Mm. That we just had a listener like me reviewed just moments ago. And I just got a parcel from one Mm. under an Anchor Studios. I got it mine today in my mailbox. I haven't opened it yet. But I'm, you know, getting, you know, a little vasodilated just thinking about it. What does that mean? (laughs) You know. Look it up with your medical text. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> uh, great letters from two great folks. So wait, what was... And what, what, and what about the... Uh, edit this out until I remember the name, but the um, freaking guest pin... The guest cover artist. Oh, yeah. He's, he's nailed. Freaking... Uh, well, he had him for the original, didn't yeah. he? Yeah. Yeah, Paolo Rivera. Mm-hmm. Jesus, that's insane! Man alive, amazing! Man alive, I love that man. We text, you know, not to make the Twitterverse. You shows. and Paolo, my gosh! Oh, me, Sean Gregory Miller. Oh, text. Okay. I mean, we still. That's pretty Paolo good. Paolo Rivera, breaking news. Oh. We're on. I'm one of. The, I'm in a group text. Any with him DMs between you and Paolo? You want to read out loud on the show? A la Jonesy loves beer. <laughs> where even where it says disclaimer do not read live on the air sometimes i you know should probably read the whole email before i say i get it all right you know what uh under an anchor should read for uplifting superman is the same two superman books that we talk about every episode superman mm-hmm. birthright number mm-hmm. one. Oh, you know all-star superman was good I mean, it was okay oh yeah, man was, i uh i don't think that's uplifting at all right i'm Guys, I just opened my signed copy of the original on on the era. What wonderful paper stock! Mm. Is immediately as I touch it, I love it. It's alive. Under anchor. This is live. This is live to your ear holes. This is happening to me right now. I just opened the book for the first time. It smells incredible, Mm -hmm. and the paper stock reminds me of. You ready for this comparison? Mm -hmm. The first time I opened. Superman's Secret Identity by one Kurt Busiek. It mm. feels the same on my finger peeps, my finger pads. I mean, honestly, he should also read Superman that's uh, out right Secret now. Secret Identity. I think I just, you know, maybe <laughs> osmosis from this beautiful paper stock to make that comparison. Probably the Superman movie that I want and will never get is Superman's Secret Identity. Agreed, uh, Sean Gregory Miller. Uh, Superman's Secret Identity is definitely the one to read if you haven't read it. If you have, I'm sorry, maybe. I mean, the Superman now is good. It's, it's not. Just, uh, it's not just good. It's great. It's great. It's great. It's it's, it's great. amazing. Just not a, a complete story yet, but at, by all means, it's fantastic. I recommend uh, Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur. Uplifting as heck. That's wonderful. That doesn't have Superman in it, obviously. Um, Planetary, you know, <laughs> super of <upholding. laughs> Shut up, Jonesy. Was that, our, that was that our last letter? That was, was our last letter, guys. Go. That was it. What a show! We go into uh, the sunset with only the uh, the sun the sunrise of uh, a beach vacation ahead of us. Mm. Some Chiang with. Slim, possibly on the beach, 
you know? Crane kicking. This house, that was an actual technique. This house doesn't have a hot tub, though, right? I don't think so. But uh, we really need to discuss that for next year, I think. Can we rent one? Let's get some cinder blocks, some tarp. Wait a minute. Pack are you, stove. Are you suggesting that in the next couple of days we put throw our resources together and see what we can do about renting a hot tub for this vacation? Listen, a lot, of people, a lot of people were saying stuff. Anything could be interpreted uh, by what was said. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, boy. I will uh, screw the electrical wires into a street light and steal that <laughs> wire if I have to. Just like the hip-hop rap battles of old. Hot tub family tree over here. <laughs> Next week, nobody knows. You know, we had a grand plan for 260, 261, and someone spread their eight cheeks all over it. Yeah. No, look. Oh, Only to delay. You know, oh, we got to put those clothes in the wash. We'll talk about it another time. I mean, he also goes by Gray Wolf. <laughs> Bad boy. <laughs> we'll see everybody next week. on our souls yeah we'll get pluto out there one day yeah yeah we're gonna do it we just you one know day. it's been it just so happens it coincide with beach vacation week so we i don't think we want to commit ourselves to reading the entire entirety of pluto mm. until after maybe the big episodes of uh 262 and 263 milestone Milestones. episodes <laughs> yeah fact yeah. yeah. The diamond anniversary. <laughs> 262. <laughs> what a show. Yeah? Yeah. That's a good show tonight, boys. Real good, good You know what it's I think I might book. read after um, Harry Potter book one? Longmire. No. Uh, Jurassic Park. Oh, great oh. book. Dale and I read it last year. Fantastic book. For what reason? Also, read Jaws. Read Jaws. You'll really like it. Hmm. Hmm. Jurassic Park. I was Jurassic Park. Really good. You guys didn't do that for a podcast, did you? We did. Or maybe we read the book and just never did the podcast. I don't think you you did do that for a podcast, now that I think about it. It was a great book, though. Huh. Huh. We didn't do Jurassic Park? Huh. No, I think we just read the book and never recorded. Wow. We used to have another podcast that was, was going to be that was going to be your diamond anniversary episode too. <laughs>
<laughs> I tell you, no, it was actually, uh, for it being my favorite book of all time, the audiobook, I was so completely turned off by it that I couldn't stand it anymore. I couldn't listen to an audiobook again for weeks after. Why was it so you know, bad? Um, the narrator, Scott Brick, who usually I don't mind, but his uh, inter- his characterization of Ian Malcolm screaming under his delusional like blood loss after a raptor attack was just grating on my nerves like i i couldn't and and like maybe that maybe that drilled down into the writing a little bit but like ian malcolm's like half dead with his torso split open and he's like rambling on about chaos theory in the hotel room and it's like scott bricks just like screaming like he's this exasperated ian malcolm like he like Scott Brick like did physical harm to himself to kind of like emulate the character, and I just couldn't handle it. It was I tell you what Scott Brick nailed in tell Cold us. Blood. Mm-hmm. That was a fantastic audiobook. That took me to another place, literally. Herbert Clutter. <laughs> I used to arrive at work twenty minutes early just to stay in my truck and listen to a chapter. It was so engrossing. Mm-hmm. Your wife in the room? You wouldn't have said that if your wife was in the room. I don't think she's in. She's in bed. So I, I took it. <laughs> I gambled on that one.